When God sees you showing mercy, it'll override your sentence of judgment. Dr. Tony Evans says those who give out of their love for God can expect to receive his favor. When he sees you caring for somebody else, it'll enhance his care for you. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. A dedicated cross-country runner laces up his shoes, engages in stretches, and visualizes the course ahead. Each step is part of his crucial preparation for crossing the finish line. Well, today, Dr. Evans looks at the exercises the dedicated Christian takes as they prepare for what they know lies ahead. Let's join him in this study. Now, we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. This is the judgment for Christians, not non-Christians. It is not the judgment about going to heaven. It's about the judgment related to rewards for the kind of Christian you were. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, he says, many will be ashamed at his coming. Let me ask you, let me ask us, if Jesus came this moment and we all stood before him, would you be standing before him with excitement and joy or shame and disappointment for the kind of Christian you are and we were? It is our goal today to give you God's plan of recovery so that moving forward, you build reward while recovering from past failure. He says in 1 John, verse 17, by this love is perfected or matured, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. In other words, when you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, he wants you to stand with your head held up not your head hanging down. He wants to be able to wipe tears of joy, not tears of disappointment. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. He ends it with the fact that the one who's born of God, who loves, knows God. He says in verse 8, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He says in verse 10, He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He says in verse 16, God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. The one word that can change the trajectory of the future and produce recovery from spiritual Christian failure lifestyle in the past is love. The principle is the more you keep in sight his love for you, the better lover you're going to be. Christians who do not know how to love and do not practice biblical love have lost sight of the cross. You can get so used to your salvation and the security that you're on your way to heaven, that you begin to take your eternal life for granted and don't feel an obligation to respond. He says, we love because he first loved us. So he wants a major motivation of love to be the fact of the price he paid to produce the salvation we possess. In other words, he wants gratitude. 
He is asking us to love others as a response to his love for us. He wants his love to be reflected in us and through us in the world. That what we got, we give. God is love and he wants you to be a lover. He wants you to be the loving expression of who he is in the world. He says, there is, verse 18, no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Ah, this is a powerful concept. He says, the more you love, the less you fear. The more you mature in love, the less you have to worry about the judgment seat of Christ. If you are worried right now that if Christ came back, you would be ashamed because you don't have much to show. He says, join the OJs and get on the love train. Because he says, the more you love, the more you increase in love, your fear and apprehension about the judgment will decrease. The reason that we are afraid is there's not enough love to work against it. There's not enough expression of who he is in the world by us to negate the insecurity we have of being in his presence with so much in our past that hasn't gotten right yet. So much that's not straight yet. But he says, The perfect love, that is, love that is maturing, will dumb down fear. So if you want to get rid of fear, don't go fear chasing, go love chasing. Because when you chase down love, you're going to knock down fear because perfect love casts out, gets rid of, diminishes insecurity and fear, particularly as it relates, he says, to the judgment. So the question is, what do we mean by love? This word gets thrown around a lot. I love chocolate cake. I love ice cream. I love that movie. You know, I love that place. We confuse the word love with like. Like involves an emotional attachment to something. When I like something, it means I enjoy it. That's the word like. But it gets substituted for the word love. The biblical, the Greek word for love is agape. It's verb form agapao. And it has to do with a decision. Biblical love does not start with an emotion. It starts with a decision. Like starts with an emotion. Because it's how you feel about it. Biblical love may or may not include an emotion. That's why God can command you to love your enemies. He's not telling you to feel good about somebody that hates you. He's talking about making a decision. So let me give you a formal definition of biblical love. Biblical love can be defined as the decision to compassionately, righteously, responsibly, and sacrificially seek the well-being of another. Let me say that again. Biblical love is the decision to compassionately, righteously, responsibly, and sacrificially meet the need of somebody else. 
Okay? Love is a decision. That's why it can be commanded. But biblical love starts with a decision and it can grow into an emotion. He says in 1 John chapter 3 these words. Verse 16. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. He did something based on our need. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is not just what you say, it's what you do. And the way you know you're not loving is you have the capacity to do it, the opportunity to do it, and you make yourself not do it. He says you close your compassion. That is, you force yourself. I'm not going to do it. You can. You should. There's an opportunity to But you say, you force yourself away from it. That's why he says in verse 17, you close your heart. You shut it down. You decide not to love. You decide not to express it. He says, when that happens, the love of God is non-operative in you. That you're not operating with God's definition of love because like has gotten in the way. I don't like that situation. You were saved to be an aqueduct, not a reservoir. You were saved to be not a cul-de-sac, but a conduit. When God put his love on you and me, he wanted it to flow through you, not stop with you. The moment he sees his love to you, stops with you, then there is a stopper in the sink of how God will relate to you because you're no longer being like him in the world. You know, you're being the opposite to the love that he defines. Now, chapter three, again, verse 20 of first John, in whatever our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. He says, when you love, like I am defining love, the decision to compassionately, responsibly, righteously, sacrificially meet the need of someone else, the guilt you feel, the condemnation you feel for the stuff you've done, the failures you've had, the regrets that gnaw at you, the things you wish you could do over again. He says, when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. In other words, your heart is messing you up. It's it's driving you crazy. He says, but when you love, like I say love, the God who's greater than the condemnation that's killing you will overrule a heart that doesn't want to obey. And he says, I will be greater than the heart messing you up. 
So if you look back at yesterday and you've got regrets and pains and mistakes and failures and you can't do it over again and it gnaws at you, it keeps you up at night. God says, I can overrule that, but I'm not just going to overrule that because you pray. I'm not going to just go overrule that because you uh, go to church. I'm going to overrule that by the love I see. The thing that will motivate God to override yesterday and move you into tomorrow and even the condemnation that comes with it is when he sees the love because you want to be right with him. Dr. Evans will continue to unpack this teaching when he comes back in just a moment. Stay with us. Hello, this is Dr. Tony Evans, and today is Giving Tuesday. This is a time when people give to nonprofits who are making a difference. And by God's grace, the Urban Alternative has been making a difference. Giving God's kingdom perspective to individuals, to families, to churches. And now we're being called on to communities and even governments to speak God's truth. Because there's so much confusion and chaos, people need to know a sure word. And God's word is a sure word. Would you help us by giving us a generous gift on Giving Tuesday so that during these times of uncertainty and inflation, when donations are decreasing, we can increase the proclamation, the relevant communication of God's word to people in need. Thank you for standing with us today, Giving Tuesday, by your generous contribution to The Urban Alternative. You can connect with us and make your donation today at TonyEvans.org. Well, today's lesson is part of Dr. Evans' insightful teaching series called The Judgment Seat of Christ. It's an in-depth look at what to expect on that coming day and will inspire you to live better today in light of tomorrow. Through this series, you'll find encouragement to refocus your life on what's important and everlasting, finding ways to make God a part of everything you do, and discovering true fulfillment in the process. It's all covered in this set of eight full-length lessons— That includes material we haven't had time to bring you on the air. And right now, we'd like to send you this complete audio collection as our gift when you make a donation to help support our work here on the air and around the world. And if we hear from you right away, we'll also include a special bonus, Tony's powerful booklet, Winning Your Spiritual Battles, a handy pocket reference that'll help you push past barriers the enemy places in your life. Just visit us today at TonyEvans.org for details, or call our Resource Center at 1-800-800-3222. That's 1-800-800-3222. And now let's get back to the second part of today's lesson. Our government allows for charitable deductions. In other words, when tax time comes, you write your deductions And part of those deductions are gifts you've given to charity. Money you give to the church is a charitable deduction. And so your tax bill, your obligation to Uncle Sam gets smaller because of your charitable contributions. Your failure, my failure, our failure with God may be like this. But when he sees love here, love here, love here, and 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 love here, he counts them as charitable deductions and so even though you owe this much when he looks at the love that you have demonstrated and shown he then counts that against the obligation of our failure giving us the opportunity to repair 
The Bible says we were saved for good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace are you saved. If you faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not according to works, so that no man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he hath created beforehand, that we should walk in them. He says, I saved you in 8 and 9, so you could go to work in verse 10. I saved you for you to do something. You, didn't, you, don't, you don't purchase an appliance for it to sit there. You expect the refrigerator to keep stuff cold. You expect the stove to make things hot. You expect the electric can opener to open some cans. You expect the toaster to pop up some bread. And if they just sitting there, they don't understand why they're here. Christians need to understand why we're here. We're here to be him in the world. And he defines himself as God is love. And we are to represent that in the world. But many of us are like teenagers who only come out of their room when they want something. Because when they're going to come out the room, we come to church when we want something. God says, I want something. And I want to see, I want to see your love being expressed. God is not looking for celebrities. He's looking for kingdom servants. He's looking for people who will represent him with what he calls good works. First uh, Titus uh, chapter 3 verse 4 says it is the kindness of God that should be your motivation. Salvation is the biggest kindness, but there's everyday kindness. The regular stuff. Yeah, that's the, the big stuff we talk about. But then God is so good and so regular, you get used to it. Until something goes wrong. Good works. Well, I need to define good works. It says we are his workmanship created for good works. A good work is more than a good thing. Sinners can do good things. Atheists can do good things. You can have a person who hates God but is a good neighbor. Okay? In other words, you don't need a religion to do a good thing. But that's not a good work. A good work in the Bible is a good thing to which God has been attached. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light so shine that men see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If God is not attached, it's a good thing, but not yet a good work. So a good work is the attachment of God to a good thing. Now, because God has been brought into the equation and God is love and you are representing God by the loving act that you do. Now, God is attached to the act, making it a good work for which you get credit for the future and also repair of the past. Because now you are involved in good works. You're involved in good works. So the challenge to all of us today is to move forward with biblical love, which is expressed not merely in words. I love you is not enough. He says it must not be with just tongue. He says it must be word and deed. This must become a way of life. This is not just a special event. 
Especially if you got to catch up from yesterday. Especially if you're on the two-minute warning and you don't have time to huddle. That's why we have, and we offer to assist you, the act of kindness card. You can pick up two or three cards when you use them. And just once a week, just once a week, you ask God to show you somebody to be kind to and to show love to. Just show you somebody, and he'll show you. He'll bring somebody across your path, somebody you can encourage, somebody you can be supportive of in some small way. Maybe it's a cooking a meal. Maybe it's a helping an old lady across the street. Maybe it's a, it's a, a helping a homeless person. It, may, it could be any number of things, but the way you'll know it from God is you'll see it, you'll feel it, and you'll have the capacity to address it. So we can also talk about it. We do it. That's why I love James 2.13, it says, mercy overrides judgment. No greater verse than that. When God sees you showing mercy, it'll override your sentence of judgment. When he sees you caring for somebody else, it'll enhance his care for you. And then when you share the gospel, because here's the deal. Let's say you go to get on an elevator and you push the button, the door opens, but there's no elevator car. So you get used to, oh no, because you're going to plunge to your death because the door opened, but there's no car and you back up just in time. But around the corner comes a blind man. Blind man with his stick because he needs to catch the elevator. You notice his shoes are untied. You say, excuse me, sir, your shoes are untied. May I tie your shoe? Oh, he says, thank you, yes. And you go down on one knee and you tie his shoe. You did a good thing because he's going to trip. You don't want him to trip, so you tie his shoe. He now has shoes tied. He's not going to trip. He comes over. He pushes the button to the elevator. The door opens, but you don't say anything. You, 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 don't, you don't say anything. You've helped him not trip, but you've not changed his destiny. It was a good thing you did with his shoes, but we're not just called to do good things. We're called to change folks' destinies. And that's why we share the good news of Jesus Christ and salvation while we tie folks' shoes. If a man doesn't have the right clothes, that's bad, but he can recover from that. If a man doesn't have the best place to live, that's bad, but he can recover from that. If a person doesn't have the best food, that's bad, but he can recover from that. But if a person dies without Jesus Christ, you just hit him with a blow they can never recover from. So that's why we witness and are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ while we do good works. We tell people about heaven while we make their lives better on earth. We're not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but we're not so earthly committed that we're no heavenly good. We bring the two together. And when we do, God will count that to our account at the judgment seat of Christ. Dr. Tony Evans, wrapping up a lesson called The Preparation for the Judgment. Now, if you'd like to review the full-length version of this message, you can get it on either CD or digital download as part of Tony's complete teaching series called The Judgment Seat of Christ. This collection of eight messages will help you reset your focus and attention on God and His priorities. As I mentioned earlier, it's yours with our thanks when you make a donation toward Tony's ministry. And we'll also include a copy of his practical booklet, Winning Your Spiritual Battles. 
Visit us today at TonyEvans.org to get all the details and to make your contribution and request. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Or call our 24-hour resource center at 1-800-800-3222 and let one of our team members help you. That's 1-800-800-3222. You can't grow what you don't sow. It's as simple as that. Tomorrow, Dr. Evans will talk about the biblical principle of sowing and reaping and how what we choose to do or not do has eternal consequences. Be sure to join him. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 